This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand brands and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm a guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing, and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. Hey Gordon, how's it going? All good. Looking forward to our discussion this week with some of the young guns uh, in the marketing industry. So you might maybe want to give us the background on 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 this. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, you remember a while ago I judged uh, some of the awards at the Marketing Achievement Awards, and one of the categories was under thirty-five rising stars. You know, so I want to say tomorrow's marketers, but very much today's marketers. And uh, today's uh, one one of the finalists, Robin Hobson's joined us. Robin from uh, Mobile Guardian. So we're going to chat with her uh, and get her perspective, not just on her entry for the awards, but uh, more importantly, you know, what is she doing now? What is Mobile, Mobile Guardian up to? Um, and then just some of the lessons going forward, you know, for, for youngsters out there. So I think it'll be a, 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 great, uh, a great chat. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Uh, the whole uh, Mobile Guardian concept, you know, looking at the website, looked really fascinating. And I'm, I'm happy with that discussion. Just the thought, as you said, that the young guns under 35s rising stars. When are we going to get, and I, I have a particular interest in this, to the, the fading stars for media people in their <laughs> 70s, Doc. Is, is, thought, there, is there anything on the horizon uh, for But that? I thought we are good and I thought we'd do that. This we is can, it. We can, yeah. I, I would like a trophy or I don't yeah. know, maybe, whatever. Maybe, not, not too heavy, something that I could, you know, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't drop on stage. But anyway, Jokes I, I digress. Though, why don't, I mean, seriously, Gordon, I mean, we touched on it briefly once. Why don't, you know, we look at something like that, you know, sort of looking a little bit back to look a little bit forward uh, at some lessons from yesterday that are as pertinent today and tomorrow as ever. 
summer and you okay, know it's not a bad idea just not in the afternoons because we like to snooze <laughs> let's get on to the current stuff robin welcome uh, firstly well done as well for being a finalist i mean that's geez, that's a fantastic achievement uh you know there were only six finalists gordon out of out of south africa's um, under 35 marketers so well done robin thanks very much for joining us and, and a big welcome to the show Oh, morning, guys, and thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And yes, thank you. I was very chuffed to uh, to be nominated for the Rising Star. Yeah, that is great. And I mean, today uh, you're the brand custodian at Mobile Guardian. We look after both the marketing and the sales side. And, and I'd like uh, just to chat a little bit later with you on that sales side. You were talking about, you know, and one of the lessons perhaps is your fear i guess you used of numbers and you had to really train yourself to become good at, at sales which is an important aspect for marketers you know sometimes marketing people think they're going to make pretty pictures for the sake of marketing but it, it does have to translate into sales so let's just talk a little bit about what does your job entail at mobile guardian and also the, a little bit about the company perhaps for some of our listeners who are not that familiar with um, the whole issue of, of education uh, through technology Sure, let's kick off and let's just chat about what Mobile Guardian does as a company. So we develop software that empowers schools to use mobile devices to help students learn online safely and effectively. So the solution is used by schools around the world and it supports Android tablets, Chromebooks and iPads. Now what's really cool about the solution is it stands apart in the market because it offers everything a school might need to support their mobile learning program. So it's got classroom tools, it's got web filtering, it's got linked parental controls, and then obviously reporting. Now, what does this actually mean when I say mobile device management? So let's break it down. If a school has a fleet of Chromebooks, they then use Mobile Guardian to ensure that every single student can take that Chromebook home. And not only can they learn safely, but they can also learn from wherever. I'm sure you guys are no strangers to the disruption that the pandemic caused and students suddenly weren't in their physical classrooms anymore. They were in the lounge or they were in the room or they were at the kitchen table. And it was suddenly very difficult for them to have to learn remotely. And Mobile Guardian has a solution that's helped teachers reach their students no matter where they are sitting and ensure that students can remain focused on the task at hand and that they aren't able to access um, distracting material and also, you know, material that maybe is a bit unsavory or unsafe for students of certain ages. Yeah, you know, for me, I, I was really excited um, and it's, this seems incredibly fundamental um, to see marketing and sales within one job description. I mean, for me, it's the separation of those two uh, disciplines over the years has been most alarming. Um, so it's encouraging to see uh, yes. you know, a, a, a convergence back onto that point. Doug? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Robin, just talk a little bit about that because I've certainly, you know, I had the benefit of looking at your full submission for, for the awards. And in one of those submissions, you did speak a little bit about your reticence, I think, initially at going into the sales role and, and your, I don't want to say fear, but I mean, maybe it was avoidance of numbers. So maybe just chat a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Sure. I mean, my goodness, I was actually terrified of numbers in the beginning because I actually do like pretty pictures and I love the creative <laughs> side of marketing. And I think a lot of people forget that actually at the end of the day, you have to prove meaningful value at the bottom line, right? And how do you do that? How do you build that business case? Well, you need to rely on numbers. So definitely when I took on the sales portfolio, which was at the beginning of 2020, I was quite intimidated by the numbers and it was something that I had to get to grips with. Even though I've done an MBA and everyone thinks, oh, once you've done an MBA, MBA, you must be brilliant at numbers. It's yeah. an absolute complete myth, but anyway, yeah. and um, it's been it's been a real challenge. I've had to get to grips with sales as a concept because there is a very different personality and attitude.
attitude that sales requires to marketing. It's very different skills. And I also had to get to grips with not only the numbers, but also building up and nurturing and mentoring a sales team. And it, it has actually been quite something. And, you know, you mentioned that marketing and sales have drifted so far apart from one another. And, and I really don't think that's the case. So what I'm really grateful about what we've done here is that sales and marketing really are speaking to each other. And we've been able to do that through technology. So all the insights and feedback that the sales team gets out in the field is fed back into marketing. And we, we make sure that our campaigns are super agile and can capitalize on that feedback almost straight away. Luckily, we're a small team, so it's obviously a lot easier for us to be agile and implement that feedback quickly. Yeah, your, your payoff line, um, I think, on the website uh, was something like designed for schools, loved by parents, um, which, which has a nice resonance to it. You know, I'm just missing the bit, you know, loved by, by school children. I, I mean, oh, no, the school <laughs> children hate us. <laughs> well, that's encouraging because… Which means, uh, which means it's working. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, look, I mean, gamification is, is crucial, obviously, um, but there must be an element of… Uh, hard work attached as well. I mean, I, I'm interested in this topic particularly because, you know, some years ago, I, mean, I have a home full of school teachers, uh, both my daughters, my wife, I'm, I'm a school teacher. So it's really of interest to me. And when my wife uh, retired a couple of years ago, I became aware that I'd married her for better or for worse, but not, not for lunch. So I sent her <laughs> off um, <laughs> to do her honors degree, which she did um, with, with, uh, summa cum laude and she wrote because one of the problems she faced was fighting in the classroom pre-covid uh, with kids on and, and mobile phones mm. and so she wrote her thesis on how to integrate the mobile phone into the teaching program so i you know i know that this isn't pie in the sky that there's a functional component as well which is really uh, really crucial so uh, yeah, well done. I mean, I think it's a brilliant concept and, and talk about ideas whose, whose time has come. Wow. Uh, what, a, what a win during the COVID period. Yeah. And I mean, surely, uh, Robin, you must have had an uplift, you know, artificially, I guess, through sales. And hopefully, you know, that behavior change now is a permanent one, you know, that people are going to start looking at the blended classroom, you know, hybrid learning. I mean, online certainly remote learning is not a new concept. You know, if people look at part-time learning, it's now the whole blending, as Gordon mentions, of technology. So, you know, firstly, I mean, did you have a big uplift of sales in, in COVID? And what is your feeling in terms of, of permanent behavior change? Definitely, there was a dramatic uplift very quickly. Um, you know, we can all think back to those enforced school closures. Schools needed solutions very quickly. So not only was it this dramatic uplift, but it was kind of panically uplift. Yeah. So we're finding we had to help schools, I mean, in some cases, under 48 hours. And they were desperate for solutions. There was a lot of uncertainty in the market. So it was quite, it was quite a trying time, obviously, for educators and parents and students and, and us in education technology as well. And speaking to the future of learning, I don't think it's going to be remote only. I think it's going to be a balance. There's been significant perks um, to the remote learning, but there's also been significant challenges. And we've seen that mirrored in the workplace as well. Mm. So I think the future is going to be a more balanced model, but it, it is incredibly tricky. And, you know, we've watched small children the ages of four and five. We've watched them interact in that remote learning environment. And they, for example, don't understand what it means to mute a device. You know, they're waving at their friends and they're talking and they can't understand why their friends can't hear them. Yeah. So I think the smaller grades that, you know, mm. that personal interaction is very, very important. But in the higher grades, we're actually seeing that students prefer being at home if they've got a space that supports learning. So I think a blended model is going to be the way forward or 
a hybrid model. And I'm just, I'm interested to see, and it's also beautiful because it's given schools the ability to truly tailor mobile learning programs that not only work for them, but also work for their students. Mm. So it's, it's a very interesting time. Yeah, and I think not just at, at school level, you know, uh, Robin. I mean, I, I do a little bit of, of, of facilitation and training at, at a university in South Africa as well as, you know, some international training work. And a lot of that stuff has now, I guess, out of necessity, moved online, certainly last year. But going forward, a lot of companies, uh, and, and it's more in the exec education space, are saying, listen, they want the hybrid model going forward. They want little bite sizes of, of work so you could have a face-to-face -face for argument's sake a day or two or three, and then bite sizes of work that, that drips out throughout the year. So that's quite interesting to see how, how that's going to play out as well in the, in the sort of L&D space. Definitely. I mean, just, just with our team here, it's, we've created this beautiful balanced environment because we've mm. seen that workspace for the team. So yeah. we said, cool, two days in the office so you can get that interaction because you know, they, you can't replace that team interaction. We certainly tried during the hard lockdown and we set up channels to facilitate that kind of office banter and that communication. Mm. But when you're a small team and also when you're a relatively new team, it's very important to foster that connection. So two days in the office and then three days remote and then they have the option. And that balance is working very well, especially when you've got more introverted team members or more, more extroverted team members. They can find their own groove. And I must admit, it, it's working incredibly well. Yeah. So just, just going beyond the product offering itself um, and thinking mm. about your marketing techniques, I mean, just looking at your submission, one of the points you made also resonated with me that digital campaigns need to leverage marketing activities in the real world to be really effective, which is almost a reversal. Somehow we, we're kind of trying to leverage marketing activities in the digital world. It's, it's intriguing that you turned it around. Just talk to us a little bit about how you've gone about building the brand and, and you know, um, using um, digital camp or digital technology, which I'm assuming you would have done. Um, and, and how did you convert that into the real world, i.e. sales? Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. Definitely. So in the beginning, it, it was a bit of a no-brainer. There wasn't much budget. So digital allowed us to, to play in the big leagues, but in a very cost-effective way. So in education technology, they use large-scale education conferences to reach their target audiences. And that just wasn't a reality for the Mobile Guardian brand. So we thought, okay, well, let's deploy digital. We can reach these people on social media. And what we did was we digitally attended all these real world events. So it actually looked like we had a presence there. And thanks to social media, we were actually able to create very personalized, very targeted interactions with teachers and principals at these conferences that we soon noticed our competitors weren't able to have. Because at these large events, it's great, you get a little bit of FaceTime, but essentially it's, it's usually quite a boring product pitch and it's handing an, an out a business card. And we were able to use things, and they sound quite silly, but simple things like images and GIFs to really forge a connection that lasted quite long outside of the actual event. So that was the one thing we did. And then we also started writing content for teachers because we realized a lot of our competitors were just churning out very baseless SEO stuff that wasn't actually practical or helpful. And what we quickly realized with the education community is they're often overworked. They need resources. And they need helpful resources. They don't want to be lectured and dictated to. They, they know their stuff. You know, they wanted help. 
And we noticed that um, Twitter, for example, is an absolute goldmine for educators. There's lots of help available. There's lots of resource. And we just sort of slotted in there. And then what we did was we attended smaller events and we use digital to really amplify our presence there. So I'm a big believer in you do things in the real world and you use digital to leverage them. Because my fear, if you just keep playing in the digital space, is that you're only connecting with the same people over and over again. Obviously, the pandemic has, sh has shifted things and everyone suddenly went digital and there weren't many real world events to leverage. But pre-pandemic, I was very much a believer in you leverage your real world events with digital and you just give them wings, you know. Yeah. yeah, just one other point as well. You talked about teachers needing help, and that that I can attest to. I mean, the workload of sure. teachers these days is phenomenal. The paperwork that goes with it, and and having been a teacher myself, it's it's great to throw yourself into a lesson, you know, full on energy. But it's it's the assessment at the back end that's the mm. killer, i.e., marking. I mean, does the model accommodate assessment as well as learning? And and if it does. Is there a rollout plan for you into into the business sector? So, for instance, we've addressed on this show many times, and we're going to talk more and more about it in coming weeks, the need to train people in the, in the, in the media and marketing and advertising industries. Does the model, do you have a plan to roll it beyond the, the tertiary to the secondary institutions into the, you know, the marketing world itself? Yes, so there are there are future future plans afoot, but right now we are just focused on um, secondary. Oh, sorry, primary education. Yep, That's yep. just where the market okay. needs us to be. But certainly down the road, um, there are plans to look at things like that. But that's that's very much for a, for a future for the future. Okay. <laughs> Robin, just looking, I mean, just taking a, a step, a little bit aside away from uh, Mobile Guardian, and I think the point you made earlier about sales and marketing is such an important one. I just want to reiterate that, you know, short of us lecturing our listeners who we to do that, is just to say, <laughs> listen, please have a healthy respect if you're an out-and-out -out marketer, have a healthy respect for the person who often faces the customer, which is the salesperson. So I think that's the first um, lesson. But just Looking at your career, I mean, it makes for interesting reading. Just in prepping for this, you know, you've gone from a blogger straight out of, out of university to a tech startup to managing digital campaigns with some really big clients from your lounge, which is quite interesting when I read that. And, uh, and then into running a social media team, large-scale activations. You went back to do your MBA and now at Mobile Garden. So what I'd like to do is just talk a little bit about that journey Um for other people listening to see how you know how you found the next place to go to and and what drove you to that particular part of of, of your journey sure i mean i can talk about this for days so do stop me if i get carried away <laughs> the the most important thing i have done in my career is certainly my internship uh, I'm still grateful for that every day. It was such an incredible opportunity. I was, I was chucked in at the deep end. I was hired as a social media intern. And then the week I started, the account manager left. So I suddenly inherited not only social media, but all these accounts. And um, I, I grew so quickly. And, you know, in agency, I mean, you're just, you're dealing with a lot of clients. You're dealing with a lot of personalities as well. Developers work very differently to creatives and creatives work very differently to strategists. So, I learned very early on how to get buy-in very quickly from different personalities and also appreciate that different people have different ways of working and you, you really can't work with a developer in the same way that you would work with a copywriter. 
And that was absolutely incredible. I loved it. I mean, that was back in 2010 when digital was still quite untested and everyone was moaning because everything was designed in Flash, but the developers didn't like Flash. It, it was hilarious. Um, I absolutely loved my time there. And then I was headhunted by a mobile tech startup called MoTribe. And I was the fourth hire. So again, it was in the deep end, learning fast. And uh, I mean, mobile tech, tech back then was uh, was actually incredible. It was so fascinating. Uh, I learned I learned a hell of a lot. And especially about building communities um, from places like, you know, South Africa and Nigeria, all the way to America as well. And the lessons there around community development, I mean, they still hold true today. And that was still when we were building sort of mobile forums. So very fascinating. And then that company was acquired and I decided, well, why not just take the leap and, and, and do my own thing? I mean, how hard can it be? Because, because when you're 24 or 25, yeah. you're just very naively ambitious. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, why not? Yeah. And, um, you know, I laughed about it the other day because essentially for four days of the week, I led the social media team at Woolworths. Yeah. And then on the fifth day of the week, I met with all these freelancers and independent contractors I was working with in my lounge. Yeah. And um, and we discussed the big clients we were working on. And I laugh now because it's almost, it was like remote working. They worked in their own spaces four days a week. And then on the fifth day, we would meet in my lounge and we touch base on all the campaigns. And again, it was it was incredible. We worked with Woolworths and Standard Bank and MP events challenges. And oh my goodness, did I learn fast. But yeah. um, again, very, very grateful for those lessons there. Yeah. And then I must admit, I hit a bit of a career low point. I... I was, um, the, unknowingly, I was the front lines of a crisis, a low-cost airline um, in Zimbabwe went, sort of started going under. And unbeknownst to me, they'd closed all their support centers and they'd only left uh, Twitter and Facebook open. Okay. And I was dealing with some shocking experiences that customers were having. And it was really, it was a big wake-up call. And it was... I can honestly say, having led social media teams and been on the forefront, that social media teams probably need a lot of therapy counseling <laughs> because they are exposed to the real underbelly, underbelly of society. I think people forget that there's a face behind the Twitter account and there's this real rage culture where people are frustrated and um, there's very little tolerance, I think. And yeah. it was it was interesting times. But anyway, I thought, well, let me step back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure marketing is for me anymore. And I stepped back and I did my MBA. And through the MBA, funny enough, I just revitalized my passion for marketing, especially digital, because I was standing in a room with people who were some of the brightest minds and very sharp switched on. And they just didn't know about digital marketing. And I just thought, well, I have to tell you, because yeah. I was talking to accountants that still viewed marketing as very much a cost exercise. They said, oh, but, you know, it's so wishy-washy in terms of proving ROI. And I was like, listen, chaps, just sit down. Let me just teach you about digital, right? Because it's not just a billboard up on the side of the road where you're hoping for the best. Like digital, you can actually see the return. And it just reinvigorated my, my immense passion for it. I actually even did my dissertation on uh, social media and influencer marketing. And, uh, and then, yeah, I got, uh, I got very lucky and I, and I got the opportunity here at Mobile Guardian. And again, which seems to be a, a theme throughout my career, I sort of started with a blank canvas and I, I got to build something up from the bottom. And it's, it's, it's actually been an incredible journey the last three years to see it grow. I mean, it, it's certainly been challenging, but mm. it's been fantastic. 
Yeah, Dr. Chippenay. No, no, I was just saying, because I guess, you know, from a young person's perspective, you know, you talk about that sort of 10, 11-year journey and, and the stops and the starts. And, and quite honestly, you were talking about maybe, you know, at a fairly young age, hitting a low point. And I think, you know, the... the the kind of advice to other people out there is perhaps you're not alone, you know what I mean? If you're feeling a little unsure, you know, talk to people because other people are going through the same thing as you. And it's not bad to question and to do a bit of introspection and then hopefully find, you know, that next part of, of your journey. And the second part, the second point you make um, around social bullying, you know, it's easy. And it's an age old thing of saying, would you say that to somebody face to face? You know, it's easy uh, on, the, on the end of your mobile phone or your computer saying to somebody and, and going off. And sometimes you do see the ugly side of, of social media when people do rant and rave. And, and certainly, you know, years ago, it was the physical call center. You know, they would take huge abuse. And mm. today, you know, I've, I've run both sides of that. So both the call center uh, years back and then, you know, social media uh, and, and people answering, you know, and, and it does. You, you're right. Absolutely. So, uh, again, you know, you just implore to people, would you say that if the person was standing in front of you? Just coming back to a point you, you made there, you know, dealing with accountants and people who, who might view marketing as wishy-washy because it doesn't end up uh, naturally in an ROI kind of equation. For me, and I think I've, I've said this on, on the show before, Doc, there are three possible outcomes to any advertising campaign. It worked, it didn't work, and I don't know. Yeah. And the problem mm. is that people who say there's no ROI are in the I don't know category. I can pro I'll put hand on heart. Nine out of ten people who say there's no ROI, whether it's social media or just conventional media, uh, have not actually attempted the ROI. Mm. So even things you mentioned, billboards, I mean, there are case studies around the world which show a strong ROI message of, di of digital billboards. I mean, um, so yeah, I just think uh, it's, it's encouraging that you've responded positively to that rather than buying into the meme that, you know, there's no ROI because the, the, the first step to ROI is to begin the process. Um, and we talked as well in the past, uh, you can't have 40 years of P&G history. They've been measuring ROI for 40, 50, 60 years. And the fact that you don't have 60 years of history should not be a barrier to starting tomorrow morning. Start your 60-year journey tomorrow morning on ROI. Conventional media, social media, whatever that case may be, you've got to start the journey. And getting more so, Gordon, you know, and again, we've spoken about uh, the need, you know, to bring that science in, to bring that responsibility in and to, and to get away yeah. from just the creative part, which is, you know, by and large, the domain of, of the creative house. Although, obviously, as a client, and, and I mean, I've sat in many of those creative sessions where you co-create, and I don't want to use just another buzzword, but we did genuinely co-create stuff. But at the end, and, and that's where often the rubber hits the road, is at sales. Add upgrades, add repeat purchases. You know, so there's a lot of data, and and mm. uh, I, I think it was day yesterday or the day before I was reading quite an interesting article about lazy marketers. Mm. You know, and there's no better word for it. Uh, and and we've made the point before. You know, it's not a good place to be in marketing to be lazy or not to educate yourself. He has he has the point that at the end of the well, in fact, let me ask you the question: What advice would you have for young marketers? And then I'll comment. I'll give you my piece of advice, Robin. So right now, I would say it's a bit cliche, but definitely stay curious. And what do I mean by this? I would just say immerse yourself in as many marketing channels as possible. So I think often we get stuck in channels that we use. 
and our target audiences one day are not going to use those. So, you know, read the newspaper, listen to the radio, get onto social media, watch TV and watch old school TV, not just Netflix, which is everything on demand and really just get immersed. And when you go, when you walk around, just look at how people are speaking or how brands are speaking to consumers. Just just stay curious and, and, and be passionate. And I promise you, if you can just keep that alive, you'll be absolutely fine. I love that. I mean, I think that's really sound. You've, you've just got to embrace it. For me, media and advertising has never been a job. It's been a, it's been a lifestyle. If you buy into the lifestyle, uh, you'll get the rewards and you'll get the growth as well. But my advice to, to marketers as well with respect to the honesty I reference is, you know, accept the shortcomings of your brand. I mean, you know, I know as a media guy that the one thing, or young guys, you should know this, never ever say, to a mother, particularly a first-time mother, you know, that she has an ugly baby. They don't actually want to hear that, okay? <laughs> so the challenge is if you are de- – not every brand that I've ever worked on is a beautiful child. Some of them are really, really ugly babies. <laughs> and there comes a point where you as a market have to accept that you have an ugly baby. And I can, you know, I can touch up photographs of it on Facebook and do whatever I can to mask the fact that its ears are sticking out or it has buck teeth or whatever. But at the end of the day – you must have a, accept responsibility for the limitations of your own product. No advertising on any media platform can, you know, can eliminate that that reality. Mm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can never if if the product's not good, no marketing campaign in the world can fix that, and that's just a hard reality yeah, that you have to accept. And you know, the other side, Robin, just talking a little bit about, about a wider view of marketing. I mean, this wasn't you know I hadn't planned this. I was just thinking now, taking it from your point and Gordon's point is, you know, one of the other things, Gordon, through the years, I've seen marketing people not always move away from product development. In other words, they sit quite separately, you know what I mean? And often get given something once it's done. You know what I mean? It's good, it's bad, it's a dog, it's a star product, whatever product it is. They then got to badge it and sell the thing, you know? So, uh, again, it depends on, and again, you know, Robin, you you in the position where you say small, dynamic, agile company is to perhaps, and and I'm sure you are getting involved in that greater ambit of marketing so that marketing isn't just the communications part, you know, that so often pricing would be set by the finance guys. And, uh, and margin managers, you know, product would be done by product dev and then hand it over. Now, I've had the, the benefit of working in a company where I've been involved in that. And I've had the other side where I've been given stuff, Gordon, that you fundamentally don't buy into, you know. But you've been told, listen, your job is to badge and, and market the thing, not to comment on whether you think it's good, bad or indifferent. So, uh, yeah. And again, it's that wider role of marketing. You know, what is the role of a modern marketer? And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's the digital arm that has come in and analytics and all the rest of it and sure there's a place for that but i still think there's a place for the traditional uh p which you're now talking about is product dev the actual thing yeah, that you're absolutely. selling absolutely that was yeah. i mean right up front if you go back to rossa reeves in the 50s talking about top of mind awareness i mean it was based on the assumption uh, or the usp unique selling proposition was based on the assumption that there was indeed a point of differentiation yeah. i think now in marketing too much we default to saying the advertising is the point of differentiation that that cannot accommodate uh, mm. a, a product which is which is passive or has no unique property to bring to market. But I'm going to leave you to wrap it up, Doc uh, Robin. And it's really nice to have you on the show, and, and we're so happy. I know you're on the other side of the mountain. So last week's fire in Cape Town uh, to all the listeners and, and people down in Cape Town. Uh, horrible, horrible developments. We hope we're all safe down there and uh, we hope that the mountain mends itself sooner rather than later. 
Well, thank you so much for having me on the show and thanks for your time. It was an absolute pleasure to chat to you both. Robin, before you go, uh, please tell people how to get hold of you. Are you on social platforms? Can they reach out to you and, uh, and Mobile Guardian's website? Sure. So Mobile Guardian, you can find us at mobileguardian.com. And then you can always reach out to me and chat anything marketing, either on Twitter, where I'm Robin Hobson, or my website, robinhobson.com, or LinkedIn, where I'm also Robin Hobson. <laughs> Amazing consistency. Yeah. Well, I mean, but Robin, that's, part, brand, of, right? that's <laughs> part of the success of, of digital marketing, isn't it? <laughs> you have the name consistency and you don't have to search it's, your If you can get the brand name on every digital marketing channel, yeah. you are golden. You've done, you've done okay. <laughs> so I love it. Even for two old guys like us, Gordon, that's not a bad uh, not a bad thing for us to have worked out that Absolutely. you need some, some brand consistency. Mm -hmm. Robin, thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, to our listeners out there, again, as we always say, please be part of the conversation, comment, uh, get hold of Robin, learn about Mobile Guardian, be part of tomorrow's conversation today. So, Robin, thanks from our side. Uh, thanks very much for your time, and we'll catch you again. And ciao cheers, for guys. Now. Bye. Ciao. Thanks. Cheers, Ed. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.